Guys, this episode comes with a slight pattern interrupt, and you'll notice that by how I've started this episode. There's going to be a little bit of swearing, it's very much direct talking. Here I have Paul Moore on as a guest, who's going to help people who are suffering with anxiety and depression, and he's talking from experience. This guy has been there. I urge you to listen to this episode by yourself, listen in, take it in, and hopefully take action. Guys, hello and welcome back to the Do The Work podcast. I hope you're all doing awesome today. It's Dale here, your host, the Do The Work coach. Now, in today's episode, I am super excited. There's a man that I wrote down on my list as number one when I started this podcast. I have that man on this podcast today, Mr. Paul Moore. Now, some of you may not know who this guy is, and that's cool. I didn't know who he was prior to August last year before I attended the International Fitness Summit in Barcelona. And Paul gave the most inspiring and motivating speech of the entire weekend. His speech was about email marketing, which is not what we're going to talk about today. But the way he delivered that and the way he explained that is the reason why I started back then in August and I'm still emailing every single day today. So the guys that are on my list, you can thank Paul for that. And this is public credit to Paul and a thank you to him for doing that. But Paul's work today isn't marketing anymore. It isn't email marketing. Although he does do it, his main area of business is coaching married businessmen to get their shit together. Now he does that because back in 2014, Paul was suffering badly with depression, bipolar, and he was still on the edge of the cliff about to kill himself. When his wife talked him out of it, and he realized that he didn't want to and couldn't let his children down. So today, Paul gives back and helps married businessmen that are going through the same issues that he did. He talks purely from experience, purely from the heart, and he talks absolutely direct. He pulls no punches and tells you how it is. Some people may get offended by this, but this is from someone who's been there, done it, got the t-shirt, etc. There's a bit of swearing. As I say, he tells you how it is, but this is an incredible episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this one. Okay, guys, hello, and welcome back to the Do The Work podcast. Hope you're all doing okay today. I have a cracking episode for you, I'm sure. Uh, Today I'm joined by a guest who I'm massively appreciative of the time he's given to come on. Um, And this person, I'll give you a little bit of an intro, but then I'll let you do it as well, Um, is an author. He coaches married businessmen and I believe was Master Coach of the Year last year. And also, Paul, you probably don't know this, but the name of the podcast is the Do The Work Podcast, which was kind of inspired by what you say. So um, I love it. I love it, man. Over, over to you, um, just to introduce yourself, please. Okay, so my name is Paul Moore. As you say, I'm a start at, the, at the, where I'm at right now. I, uh, I work with married businessmen that need to get their shit together. I do so through... Um, my online coaching programs, um, my books, my videos, my social media, my podcast interviews, of which this is the last interview I'm doing until September, mate. Wow. Um, yeah, my schedule's just fucking nuts. I've done 40 interviews since lockdown, which is an average of like three a week, which is mad. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I do that through that. I do it through my um, live speaking events. I speak all over the world. Well, not anymore. Um, yeah, and I ended up here by accident. I ended up here by mistake. Like you say, I'm current UK Master Coach of the Year. Um, but I just, I ended up coaching married businessmen because uh, essentially in 2014, I lost my shit. I was suicidal. Um, I'd been diagnosed bipolar with bipolar disorder that year. 
Um, and in 2014, December 2014, it all came to a head. And I was ready to jump off a cliff. And since then, it's been a, um, a, dr- a dramatic turnaround, to say the least. I actually just did a podcast interview with a guy who knew me from before that whole thing happened, which was a little bit weird because most people only know me from like my turnaround. They know a little bit about who I was, but not many people knew what I was going through back then. So it was a, it was a really interesting interview for me. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a, that's, I've kind of stumbled in to what I do now. I mean, even back in 2014, I've always, I've run successful businesses. I've been self-employed for 19 years now. So you don't, you don't run businesses for that long without knowing what the fuck you're doing and knowing your way around sales and marketing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's essentially it. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a businessman and I'm a leader of men. Um, but I've just started working with women as well. So, I mean, I could tell that story for ages, but it, it, it's, it's a little bit boring for everyone, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we'll get into it. And obviously, the bit I want to talk about today is kind of uh, the low parts almost. So, you know, the mental health side of it, anxiety, depression, all that stuff. Um, the listeners on here are generally people who are trying to lose weight and have hit a little bit of a plateau. But, yeah. you know, some of which will be able to massively resonate with your story you know, to the point of where you was, or even just if, if they struggle a little bit with their mental yeah. health. Um, yeah. Where I want to start is um, something I picked up on what you said the other day, and we're going to set the tone in terms of swearing from the off. So you said, mind your fucking language. Do you want to elaborate why that's yeah. important? Yeah, do you mean great question. So the language that we use contributes strongly to how we feel and therefore how we behave. Okay, so anxiety, overwhelm, depression, stress, these are all states that we find ourselves in. So state is, is the dictionary description is something like, um, state is the particular condition that somebody or something finds them in at a particular moment in time, i.e. depressed, anxious, panicked, overwhelmed, stressed, etc., etc. And the three main contributors of that are one, your physiology, where you're at physically, two, your focus or your attention, where your thoughts are, what what you're thinking about, what what your attention's on. The third piece of this is the language that you use. Now, so many people use language that adds intensity and drama to the way that they feel. Things like, my favorite one at the minute is imposter syndrome. It's not a fucking thing. Imposter syndrome basically means I feel uncomfortable. Adding the language of imposter syndrome, I feel like an imposter is... Think about how much drama that adds to the feeling. It's completely not a whole shit. I feel uncomfortable is very, very different to I am an imposter. I have imposter syndrome. No, you don't, mate. If you do, who fucking prescribes you? Who prescribes you? What drugs are you taking for it? Shut up. Things like um, I'm depressed. No, you're not depressed. You are in a state of depression. You're experiencing depressive feelings. I am anxious. No, you're not anxious. You're creating the state of anxiety. You're experiencing the emotion of anxiety. So this language is incredibly powerful. Some of the languages that people use like, oh, I'm battling with my demons. What fucking demons? Where are they? So can you see how that adds? Anybody that uses that language is essentially fighting a losing battle because demons don't exist. You have thoughts that you believe and thoughts that you don't believe. Often, you're just attaching the thoughts that aren't particularly useful to you. So the language that you use is incredibly important because it will add drama to a feeling. It will add intensity to what essentially is an emotion. 
That's it. And, and people love to do it. It's almost ingrained in people using this language. Shit like the black dog. Oh, the black dog's here. No, it isn't. You've created a feeling that isn't optimum. That's not helpful. That's it. So yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a critical thing. The language thing is important. It's not as important as the other two, but it still have a massive, a massive bearing. Like sometimes when people come to me, the first thing I say to them is you've got to drop that language, bro. You've got to drop that language. Yeah, so one of my things was in 2014, I was diagnosed bipolar. One of the things that I will not say is I am bipolar. In fact, I was watching Ozark last night on Netflix. Yeah. And, then, and, and they just found out there's two people on it. One of them says, oh, my brother's bipolar. He's not bipolar. He was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. He doesn't, yeah. I used to be like, oh, I have bipolar. I don't have bipolar. I was given the label of you have bipolar disorder. I refuse to accept that. Once I start losing that, you, once we start using some of this language, it becomes part of our identity. That's why a lot of people can't get better, if you like, because it's part of their identity. Yeah, and they sort of convince themselves, not even not with mental health. Convince issues, themselves that that's who they are. Themselves that that's it. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. convince really, themselves really. that that's who they are. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of people don't want to be fixed because they lose their identity. And I, I, I'll go out on a limb and say this: a lot of guys don't want to be fixed because they lose the attention that they get from when they're struggling. They lose the, the the extra fucking attention and care that they'll get, and the extra affection that they'll get as a result of my depression. I get it, though. That's how I'm able to see it. A lot of people wouldn't get away with seeing it. I mean, I still get a lot of shit for it, but I'm able to see that because I've experienced it. And I've experienced it with the thousands of men that I've worked with. Yeah, 100%. And that, that's why it's great to get you on because it's, it's not just someone talking about it. It's someone who's been no theory and, and no has that. Yeah, there's yeah. no theory. And this is why what I do works. I get asked a lot, well, are you a counsellor? No, I'm not. Challenges with counsellors, a lot of them haven't experienced it. They're just reading from a fucking textbook. Yeah. This was my challenge when I saw every type of ace under the sun. When I was at my lowest, I, went I even went private. Therapist, psychotherapist, psycho psychologist, all of the ists I saw. And I could look them in the eye and I'd be like, yeah, this is great, but you clearly don't understand what I'm fucking going through here. What I'm experiencing yeah. here. You're asking me to keep a mood diary for fuck's sake to remind myself of how shit I fucking feel. Like, I could just tell. And that's why what we do works is because I don't... Like, so people... If you follow me on Instagram, you'll know this. If someone asks me for my opinion on something and I don't know anything about it, I'll say I don't know anything about it. Could you do a video on PTSD? Well, I could, but I don't know anything about it. I've never experienced it, so I'm not willing to. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about it. Find somebody that's, that's had PTSD, that's experienced P PTSD and has gotten over it. Ask them, not me. And also, that's I know you just started working with women and stuff, but that's primarily why you've helped men as well, right? Because you've, yes, I've never been a woman. that more. Yeah, yeah, I teach, I teach, and I quote from experience, and I've never been a woman. Yeah, and no. I think that's where a lot of people respect that, because as you say, they can see you've experienced those things, which no. kind of leads me on to the next bit. So I know, I've heard this story a few times with regards to when you've shared it and stuff. So it's around kind of being able to change how you feel and having tactics to change how you yeah. feel if you're feeling anxious, for example. And obviously no. I've heard the story about uh, the panic attack and <laughs> football manager stuff on, on the plane. So for the guys listening, can you give them some tips or tactics and maybe talk about that story on... Yeah, of course I can. Of course I can. We've got to understand, before we start looking at strategies and tactics for getting out of an anxious state, you've got to understand that you've already got a strategy for getting into an anxious state. People don't even realise this. Like, we're just talking about before, like guys who are struggling through the week and that. 
but then spent the whole weekend fucking drinking and sniffing coke. Yeah. You didn't get the press on a Wednesday by fucking mistake, mate. Look, it, you've created this where you're at right now. Anxiety is the same. You're creating it through your physiology, i.e. your breathing, where your heart rate's at, your posture. You're creating that. Listen, if you, if you, if you ever suffer any kind of anxiety and you use coffee, even tea, gr even green tea, even um, Monster, Red Bull, if you're using any of that shit and you suffer from, sorry, you create anxiety, I'm going to come out straight out and say you're a fucking idiot, mate. <laughs> you're essentially pouring petrol on a fucking fire. Yeah. So look at that first. If I am using stimulants to raise my heart rate and then wondering why I'm suffering these anxious feelings, it's obvious. So first of all, you've got to understand that before you start creating a strategy about how you want to feel, you've got to look at, well, how did it end up here? How have I ended up like this? Because it doesn't happen by accident. So for example, my airplane thing, I was like, oh, I just had panic attacks on an airplane. So it's the plane's fault. It's not the plane's fault. Nobody else is having a fucking panic attack here. Yeah. Just me. Then that would be, oh, there's something wrong with me. No, there's not. I have a brain that has, has, has a, I've got a high creative intellect and I'm a problem solver. A lot of us entrepreneur, entrepreneurial type, oh, I'm a problem solver. I'm creative. So if I'm just sitting on a plane trying to switch off, it's not going to fucking happen. My brain don't work like that. So if I'm not solving a problem, I'm going to start inventing it. Think about it. If there's 300 people on a plane and I'm the only one having a fucking panic attack, it's me. It's yeah. me. I'm not solving a problem. And when we're not solving problems, we're going to invent them. Anybody that suffers any kind of anxiety all the time, I'm saying, well, what are you doing? When you're, when you're experiencing anxiety, what are you doing? Most of the time, it's what I'm doing, nothing. There's your fucking answer, mate. You're bored. Your brain is looking for problems to solve. And when it can't solve them, it'll invent them. So my story was, I kept, and, and as bad as it got for me, the worst it got was I was flying to New York um, for a friend's wedding, actually a place called Syracuse in New York. And halfway through, halfway through an eight-hour flight to Chicago, because I had to stop, halfway through a flight to Chicago, um, I started having this, well, I created this huge panic attack because I watched a film about families or something. I'm like, oh, I need to speak to my wife and kids. Couldn't even text them because I'm fucking millions of feet up in the air. So yeah. I just started losing my shit. For no real reason. I've been drinking coffee on the flight, funny enough. And I just couldn't get my head around the fact that I couldn't text them. What am I going to do now? Fuck, I've got four hours until I can speak to anybody. Fuck, 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 fuck. And I was so anxious that they actually had to sedate me, right? They sedated me. They had to open up this briefcase. They had to ring a doctor. What meds are you currently taking? At the time, I was still taking bipolar medication. And I said, what meds are you taking? They opened up this thing, give me some meds, and pretty much knocked me out for four hours. That's when I decided I need to get a handle on it. So I went on all these courses, done a bunch of things. And then the one thing I realized was that I cannot do one thing and be anxious at the same time. So essentially I solved it by on flights, having something to do, having problems to solve. So when I go on a flight now, I have my iPad fully right in front of me with work on it to do and um, maybe reading to do podcasts to listen to and um, TV shows to watch, movies to watch, games to play, and I just solved it with Football Manager. Basically, I have if my attention is on things that make me anxious, right? I.e., I'm stuck on a plane for X amount of time, 
I've got nothing to do. I'm bored. I'm stuck. I've got no one to talk to. My wife and kids are there. I don't like being on this plane. I can't have my attention on managing fucking MK Dons because I've been sacked as Sunderland manager at the same time as being anxious about... I can't do those two things at the same time. So essentially, I do that in every situation now. I had a huge surgery on my mouth in February. Um, Huge surgery. I'm talking, opening up my gum, putting in a bone graft, then drilling into massive wall plugs to screw teeth in and having plastic surgery on my lip. I basically also had that bit of skin that attaches your gum to your lip. I had to have that removed as well. Huge surgery. A year previously, I couldn't go to the dentist. Two years previously, I'd say. Two years previously, I couldn't go to the dentist for a filling without having to get sedated. Since then, I've had a fucking massive extraction and huge surgery on my mouth without getting sedated. How? I just put my attention on something else. Other than the fact that I'm in the dentist and I hate it. I put my attention on I said to the dentist, I said, listen, I need you two to talk and tell me what's happening the whole time. Or, okay, what can I listen to? What can I watch? TV on the thing. Okay, what can I watch here? Something that holds my attention. That's essentially it. Yeah, it's taking your attention away for that thing. So that's really good. One of the questions that I got asked to ask you, this is a bit more specific. So this person feels bad anxiety when going into the gym. Yeah. How would you go about potentially, you know, reducing that anxiety to be able to enter the gym more comfortably? Well, you have you might just have to enter the gym uncomfortably. Period. Yeah. You might just have to enter the gym uncomfortably. The reality is you might have to... So for me, if I'm going to have a fight, I've had three fights, I spar regularly, I still get nerves. Even when I go on stage now, I get nerves. I've got two options. I can either try and get rid of the nerves or I can just do it with the nerves. What about you reframed it as that's your body providing with the energy you need to get through the workout? Think about when you're anxious, right? Your body provides you with serious amounts of energy, right? So you might just have to do it with anxiety with the feeling of being anxious that's it that's essentially and, it and so I, suppose I can give you breathing techniques i can give you cut out coffee that day i can give you make sure you're hydrated make sure your belly breathing breathing in through your nose but through your belly and breathing out through your mouth and your stomach should come in when you breathe i could give you all of that shit but the reality is you may have to do it with anxiety yeah and what about like the same as discomfort? It's just uncomfortable. It's, my, my body's providing me with the energy that I need to smash this workout. I mean, think about that. Think about how much energy you've got when you've created a feeling of anxiety. Your body's fucking flying. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, it's, like you say, it's channeling that energy. And in time, if you do those uncomfortable things more frequently, like with anything, I guess that anxiety, in theory, should reduce Listen, it. The more- if a boxer went into a fight without fear and anxiety, he wouldn't bother putting his hands up. Yeah. So the more you do that, it, it's there to, 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 to the stress it's response is obviously there to just feedback. make you do something. Yeah, just feedback. What about you just framed it as it's actually excitement? I'm excited. My body provides me with the energy that I need to get through the workout. Yeah, and trying to do it, trying to get rid of it isn't always the answer. Maybe yeah. you have to do it. It's like, oh, people, oh, I need more confidence before I do that. Well, you're not going to get more confidence before you do that. You get the confidence from doing it. Yeah. Yeah, so really good point. Love what we're for a lot of the time I say to people is people are looking for guarantees that no one's going to look at them and no one's going to laugh at them and no one's going to point at them and no one's going to... Listen, we've got to also get over the fact that no one gives a fuck about us. 
Like, do you know what I mean? Like, if you think about this, there are plenty of other pe people. If we're anxious about what people might think of you, right? You're guessing what they're thinking, and you think that they give a fuck. Like that, as harsh yeah. as that sound, no one gives a fuck about your workout. They're too busy worrying about what you think of them. Everyone else is in that same state themselves, aren't they? In a lot of cases, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Great. I could give you loads of tactics and that, but essentially, you just need to reframe it and maybe just um, do it with that energy. That's all it is. Think about it. that's all it is. What if it's not anxiety? What if it's just energy? Yeah, your body's giving you loads of energy. Rechanneling that, as you say. Yeah. yeah. It's like I get nerves. I get nerves before I go on the stage, right? If I'm just speaking in front of a thousand people. You're down straight. I'm going to get a little bit nervous about it, right? Those nerves are there just to make sure I do a good job. I could try and get rid of them. I could try and get rid of the self-doubt that I sometimes experience. The reality is, all of that is there as feedback. Have you rehearsed properly? Make sure you practice. Don't forget to say this. Yeah, it's my body's providing me with the energy that I need to fucking crush that workout. My and that's how you me with the energy that I need to fucking murder this talk. Yeah, that's how you're perceiving those thoughts, and that, that that's you understanding that that's there to help you as opposed. That's my to perception of the of the state that I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so I know you get a lot of shit for your approach from a lot of people. Yeah. And obviously, you've already covered some of the stuff today in terms of. Obviously, it's on you. You need to make the change. Otherwise, nothing will happen, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. For those well, people, you know, the people that give me the shit are the people that aren't willing to do that. Exactly. So what I'm getting at is, and I think I know what you're going to say, but for the people that say it's not as easy as that, it's not as easy as snapping out of it, it's not as easy as doing things and taking action. Correct. They're correct. What would you say? They're right. It's not easy. But guess what it is? Simple as fuck. It's not easy. If it was easy, you'd already be doing it. Yeah. What you've got to consider is it is challenging, it is hard, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. You've just got to be willing. Most people aren't willing. They're more willing to stay the same than they are to change because they see more benefits in staying the same than they do benefits in changing. They see more drawbacks in changing than they see drawbacks in staying the same. And the only time things will change for anybody is when they see or they perceive more drawbacks to staying the same than benefits of staying the same. Because there are benefits in staying the same, by the way. Otherwise, you change. Why don't I change? Well, because you see more benefits in staying the same. Yeah. It's, that's the reality. You see more. Why won't I change? Because you see more benefits in staying the same. It's that easy. People just won't admit it. What's the benefit in staying the same? Well, I get to do X. Well, there you go. Let's be honest here. Okay, what's well, the drawback to staying the same? And only when easier, the drawbacks outweigh the benefits. Yeah. So it is. It, it isn't easy, but it's very fucking simple. It comes back to your, you know, what one thing that, the first time I came across you was IFS last year, and obviously the bit that stands out is the, the speech that you did that goes over the video and stuff, which is essentially talking about you know, walking toward the resistance because that's yeah. where it's there to test how much you want it. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's there to challenge you along the way because without that, it, it is boring, isn't it? You know, yeah. What have you got with a boring life? It is, to, it is to show you, well, here's the thing. If you do not seek out challenges that inspire you, you will, by default, attract challenges that don't. So remaining comfortable will end up with you getting uncomfortable anyway. Yeah. Period. If you, listen, if, you, if you've ever had to lie in bed for a period of time, you think you're comfortable and then your back starts aching. If you remain <laughs> comfortable, avoiding discomfort 
right, does not get rid of discomfort. You end up uncomfortable anyway. So what I'm saying is if you do not seek out challenge that inspires you, you will attract challenge that doesn't, period. So yeah. it's almost like I, I see it as collecting power. I see it as collecting power. Like every time I feel resistance, I'm like, I've got an opportunity to collect some power here. I don't have to do it because it's easier not to. That's the reality. It's yeah. easier not. It's like, listen, we're talking about it, it being, it, when people say it's not that easy. Listen, getting in shape isn't easy, but it's very fucking simple. It's the same for your mindset. It's not easy, but it's pretty fucking simple. It's hard. That's why you haven't already done it. Why don't I change? Because it's easier not to. Why, why can't I just get in shape? Because it's easier not to. Until the decision's taken out of your hands and you start attracting challenges that don't inspire you, like diabetes type 2, like COVID-19. And it's interesting when you start that process and start you know, doing the work, so to speak, yeah. and it starts to compound, those habits start to build, and you see those results. That's the part that you tend to enjoy the most rather than the destination as well. But it's just yeah. sometimes getting started into that process, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and getting started usually is going to happen from, with, with pain, from pain, right? Yeah. Most people, the challenge that most people have when they set goals, targets, desires, is that just based on a kind of, that would be nice. Why do you want to lose weight? Oh, well, I just want to feel good. I want to feel better in my clothes. It's not enough. That's, that's enough on a good day, on an easy day, on days yeah. that go smoothly. But that's, most days don't go smoothly. That's why most people can't change because the only plan for the days that go smoothly. So we got it and, and it would be, let's just say a massive bit of resistance comes up around something, a massive challenge pops up. A, that would be nice isn't going to be enough to propel you over the difficulties. Oh, it would be nice to have this. It would be nice to have that. Oh, it would be great. It would be lovely to have that. It's the fucking pain, the leverage that's going to get you over there. So my yeah. question is always, listen, we can talk about benefits and fucking payoffs all day long, but who suffers if you don't change? Who else does it impact if you don't start getting your fucking shit together? The other stuff would be nice. It must be nice is not enough to push through resistance. But leverage, deep pain-based leverage is. Which, right? is. which is what, I don't want to say was used, but which is what motivated you to not do what you was going to do on the clip, yeah. I guess, with kids. Yeah. yeah, of course it was, yeah. Yeah, because I could end my pain, but I passed the pain on to somebody else. That's what turns it. Usually pain will turn a should into a must. Yeah. Right, so if someone doesn't get in shape, so in, in essence, they don't seek out challenge because they're not in enough pain, eventually the pain will come to them in the form of the doctor saying, bro, you've got diabetes type 2. Bro, you need to lose some weight. Do you know why you're snoring and not sleeping? Because you're fat. Do you know why you've got pain in your joints? Because you're fat. This sounds really harsh, but this is the reality. Yeah, it'd be nice to lose 30 pounds. Would be nice that. Of course it's it would. That, that, that wake-up call, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's pleasure pain. versus pain. It's pleasure versus pain. It's, it's benefit versus drawback. The, the drawbacks, the perceived drawbacks, the perceived negatives and the perceived um, disadvantages are the ones that are going to get really get you over the line. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Now, I mentioned that obviously... The power, by the way, this is the power of negative thinking. Positive thinking is fucking delusional. The power of negative thinking... It's usually the stuff that gets you to take the positive action. Using the negative to leverage. Using the negative thinking as fucking feedback and alarm clock that something needs to change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, going back to the, the cliff incident, obviously, 
you know, it was your missus that came over and kind of talked you out of it. And the angle I want to go with now, this isn't something you've experienced, but obviously your wife, Leslie, has. So what advice would you say to someone that's maybe got a loved one or a partner that is struggling and they don't necessarily know what to do to help them? Uh, well, first of all, you can't lecture them. If you start lecturing them and they haven't asked you for help or advice, the chances are they're gonna, you're gonna, they're gonna feel like you're attacking them. So essentially, you just have to ask them questions. How do I support you? What do you need from me to have a better day today? What have you got planned for today? I mean, it would depend uniquely on the situation. Yeah. Um, but I deal with a lot of this because essentially people come to me for help when they're struggling. And th the first thing you got to do is, is you see a lot of people, dads with, ki dads with kids, for example. This is an example. Most dads are fucking hypocrites. Telling their kids to eat healthy while they're carrying around fucking three stone extra and have man tits. Telling their kids to not speak to their mum like that, yet they learn it somewhere, mate. Telling their kids to pick up after themselves, yet they leave shit lying all over the place. Hypocrites. So one of the first things you've got to do if you actually want to help people is you've got to be a lighthouse. You've got to be a lighthouse, not a tugboat. So the first one, you've got to be an example. You've got to be someone that, that they would ask you for help. So you've got to be there, essentially. But again, it would depend uniquely on the situation, where the person's at, what the relationship is. But I suppose point number one is you've got to be the example. You've got yeah, to be the yeah. example. You get people, some guys have been in my program for a couple of weeks and then they start trying to lecture their friends and their wives. I'm like, like oh, Paul, my wife flew on the handle when I told her she should start doing this. I'm like, oh, why the fuck would you listen to you, mate? You've been doing it for two weeks. <laughs> why the fuck would you take your advice? And a lot of the time, people try and give you advice when you don't ask for it. Like, you've just got to be there when they do ask for it and ask questions, don't lecture. That's coaching, essentially. Yeah. Don't try and give people advice when they haven't asked for it. If they've asked for it, give them it. If not, ask them questions. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And again, the and again, question would be very unique based on the situation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a specific question. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, obviously, recently, over the past few years, it's become a lot more prevalent with people suffering from anxiety, depression, and all that kind of stuff. Now, how much of an impact do you think social media and who people follow has impacted that? That's a great question. I think it's, it, I think it's influenced it hugely, but not necessarily in a good way. Not necessarily in a good way. I think sometimes there's too much attention on it. So an IFS doctor might ask me, should we start putting them, should we start talking about mental health in school? And I said, no. No, because kids shouldn't know what it is. Kids should yeah. not know what it is. If they do know what it is, cool. They should know that there's someone to turn to, but we shouldn't be putting too much attention on it. We shouldn't be putting attention on feeling good and we should be putting attention on physical health more. Because we're both more about point. Because yeah. people, I, I think people now self-diagnose, as you said before, and say, I've got anxiety, I've got depression. Before, the more you talk about anxiety, the more you'll experience it. I'll guarantee that. Yeah, you brand yourself as that said yeah. thing. The more you, you talk about it, leaving it, the more you talk about it, the more you research it, the more you Google the symptoms, the more you look for a solution to it, the, I'm going to guarantee the more you'll experience it. Why? Because your attention's on it. Yeah. Your attention yeah. goes, energy flows, results. So you get what you are focused on. So if you focus on anxiety and you keep talking about it all the time, I'm going to guarantee that you experience more of it. Guarantee that. Um, so has it impacted? Yes, I do. Um, 
I think there's obviously a lot of influencers who use it as an excuse just to get fucking likes and shit. I, I wouldn't like to say who or how they do it. Um, but I don't know, mate. I think I've got... I don't think mental health awareness is enough. Nobody's got a solution. Have you noticed that? Everybody's talking about mental health. Like, oh, yeah, do 25 push-ups in 25 days for mental health awareness. What? Why? What the fuck is that going to do? People know that mental health is a thing. Where's the fucking solution? No one's talking solutions. Nobody's talking how to get a handle on it. Everybody's just saying awareness. Awareness of what? Yeah, and I think, as you say, like, as I said, that awareness sometimes has that negative effect. No, the awareness is, and why people think... won't do it, because the awareness, really, the real solution is take fucking responsibility, and no one wants to say it. Because there is a percentage of society that will go, oh, woe is me, it's my fault. Taking responsibility doesn't mean fault or blame, it means taking charge. That was actually one of my questions I was going to ask you, so how important is taking responsibility, but you've... you've... Pretty well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't take responsibility, you're going to continue to blame other people and be fucking powerless. But some people are okay feeling powerless. They're okay with that because then they get attention, they get affection, they get extra love and care. It waiting. gets to be part of their identity. Waiting to be saved, waiting for someone to Waiting to be saved. Them. The reality is no one's coming to save you. Nobody's going to do the work for you. Etc. etc. Yeah. Yeah. Fair play. Now, this is a bit more specific to you. I know we're coming into the last five or ten minutes now. Um, now that you're better at handling your situation, shall we say, yeah. would you say you feel low less often or are you better at handling when you feel low and recognising it? I feel it less often because you don't feel low by mistake. So I have a strategy that well, it's called protecting my energy and protecting my confidence. So, for example, I don't work Wednesdays. I don't work weekends. I don't work late on an evening. Last night, I worked quite late, actually. Today, I'm working a little bit later than normal, but we go through periods like this sometimes. But in general, I work Monday until 3. I work Tuesday until 3. I don't work on a Wednesday at all. I work Thursday until 3, and I work Friday until 3. I don't yeah. really work weekends. Um, and that's for no other reason than I need to protect my energy. What I do requires a lot of energy. So... They, they happen less often, and when they do, I'm essentially just, if I look at it, tired. That's it. I think a lot of people are confusing being exhausted with depression. That sounds harsh. It may be a big generalization, but a lot of people are just fucked. And they're fucked because of what they're putting in their body, how they're treating themselves, their sleep, what they put in their eyes, i.e. what they read, what they watch, what they listen to, what they eat, what they stiff, what they smoke, all of that stuff. And they're just fucked. You can't put diesel in a fucking petrol engine and expect it to fucking operate. It so I just get a handle on all of that shit. If it pops up, I'm like, you know what? What do I need to do? Do I need to rest? Do I need to move? Do I need to shift my state? Do I need yeah. to show some self-care? So Wednesday, for example, I was fucking knackered. Real tight. I've been training really hard. We've had a lot going on with the business. We're, 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 about, we're hiring somebody that right now. We've doubled the size of HQ. Um, we've talked a bunch of new people into the programs recently. Just got a lot going on. I'm training really hard. Wednesday, I was fucked. Um, so I just did a bit of self-care. I had a couple of naps. I sat in the garden. I trained jiu-jitsu. I had a haircut and I trimmed my beard. Big difference. Self-care. Yeah. I think a lot of the time, though, because obviously 
He was when he was over in Marbella, you had a bad patch. I think I'm right in saying that. And do you think, I think we've already touched on it, but when you've got that lack of purpose or that slight boredom, that's when it can come into play more well, often. Well, yeah, you're just looking for problems. Again, if, you, if there's no purpose, i.e. seeking out challenges that inspire you, then you're going to attract challenges that don't because you're going to make up problems because you're not solving enough. Yeah. You're going to start inventing problems. You're going to start looking for trouble. So I was bored. I lacked purpose. I was what I call the wandering man, just wandering, trying to make it to the, trying to make it to the next fucking bag of coke or the next bag of weed or the weekend or the next time a friend's coming over or the next party on the beach. So I had no purpose. So one of the first questions I ask people when they come at me, I'm like, what are you working towards in your life right now? Because all you've told me about is what's not working, how you don't want things to be, what you don't want to be going on. What are you actually focused on doing? Nothing. Yeah. Well, of course, you're going to get what you're focused on then, aren't you? Yeah. But yeah. Which is kind of my last question. So, obviously, your program that you run is called Unstoppable Bastards. So, what I was going to ask you is, what are the first steps, uh, you know, on joining that program? Like, what do you get people to do? And I guess you've answered it there in that being yeah, one of the people first come questions. Straight to, people come straight to unstoppable28.com and start asking themselves questions. What's the most critical value to resolve right now? Which area of life requires the biggest transformation? If you were able to upgrade your life, who else would it impact? Huge question. What would stop this transformation from happening? What are the biggest obstacles? All those kind of questions. It's all questions. Yeah. It's all questions. Yeah. You, you, the, the, I think Robin says something like the quality of your life will be is directly correlated to the quality of questions you ask yourself. Yeah. I love yeah people don't ask themselves the right questions. Because I guess they don't want to know the answer sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And they just don't know. The, they actually don't know the questions exist. Yeah. So they just go default. People, I, I actually believe that most people are doing the best with what they know. Most people are doing their best with the tools that they have for them. So some yeah. people just don't have the right tools. Or they kind of have some tools that don't know how to use them because they're not asking the right fucking questions. So most people know how to get their life together. Most people know how to stop drinking. They're just not asking powerful enough questions. Awesome. So to finish up... Um, in fact, we'll finish up on that, I think, because that's a, a powerful point. Um, first of all, thanks very much for obviously the time, etc. Thank you for having me on, mate. If people want to know more about you, where can they find you, if they want to work with you, etc. So a few places, uh, you can go Facebook, Instagram, all the usual places, or go to paulmott.uk, where you will be able to grab a copy of either of my books, and you will be able to subscribe to my world-famous daily emails. And you will be able to find out more information about the amazing new podcast that's going to blow people's minds that I have coming. I look forward to that. Called awesome. More Talk Shit. <laughs> Is that actually what it's called? That's the actual title of the show, Fair yeah. Very good. Oh, when's, that, when's that coming out? Uh, I don't know. We're still in discussions with uh, one of the guests that we want on. I don't want to announce it until I get this guest. But yeah. put it this way, he's a uh, heavyweight champion of the world. I look forward to that. Yeah. Fair play. Okay. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Paul, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, sir. See you later. Peace out. Wow, guys, what an incredible episode. Huge thank you to Mr. Paul Moore for coming on as guest and laying down the law in terms of taking action and doing the work. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And the point that he makes in this episode is that it starts with you. You need to take responsibility for you. And rather than playing the victim, you need to be the victor. And to make change in your life, you have to do something. You have to get started. And then after that comes results. After that comes motivation. 
This is something that I've massively picked up from listening to Paul since, as I say, August last year when I met him. It's something that I've put into my life, into my business and the way I do things. I really hope you got some good value from this episode. I know I'm going to listen to it back and feel fired up. So hopefully you had that same emotion, you felt that same emotion when listening to it. Now of course we touched some deep aspects as well. We talked about anxiety and depression. Now we talked a little bit about some little tips and hacks and things that you can do to make things better in terms of breathing techniques, in terms of making plans, in terms of walking towards fear, walking towards that resistance. And as I say, I just hope some of that has hit home for you. Paul's approach isn't for everyone, and some people do take offence. But as he says, a lot of the time it's the people that aren't willing to do the work and aren't willing to make change that often take offence, and sometimes the first step is being offended. And then from there you start taking action. The episode is packed full of content, and as I say, I really hope it can help just someone, just one person listening in, they can make a change in their life. Now, If you enjoyed the episode, I urge you, I urge you to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. To say every time, it helps me continue to run the podcast and continue to land some awesome guests, just like Paul and the other guys that we've had on previously. So a massive thank you for listening in. A massive thank you again goes out to Paul. And as I say, I really hope you got some value from this. If you feel the need to reach out to either myself or to Paul directly if you want to work with Paul, please reach out and check out his programs, Unstoppable 28 and also Unstoppable Bastards. If you have any questions or any feedback about the show itself, please head over to me and you can do that via the notes in the show notes. In the meantime, guys, I hope you all have a great day. I'll speak to you all soon.